Welcome. Good to see everybody. I think that we settle way too much. I think we settle way too much. I think we settle uh, in life way too much. We, we, just, we, just, we just settle in and, and li- let life take its course. But I think we, we, we settle way too much in church with our relationship with God and, 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 and what God can do. Because didn't Jesus say we will reap what we sow? And if we settle, we're going to reap what we have sown in settling. That's just what we'll get. We'll come, we'll show up to church, and we just kind of go through the motions, and we settle. Sweet dreams, and God planting a dream inside of us is actually about not settling. Because if we settle, it's in the preparation phase that we will settle enough that we stop dreaming of what God can do. We're in the middle of this series called Sweet Dreams. We're taking a look at the dream that God planted inside of Joseph. And and we're taking a look at the fact that that God is sovereign. He is in control. He is in complete control. We don't have to dream big dreams for God. I've heard this said. Just dream big dreams for God. We can't outdream God. I would much prefer to ride his coattails than mine. He is in control. And he, despite being in absolute control, plants stuff inside of us in order for him to do. That's his M.O. That's how he works. Despite us being jacked up people, us being humans, us being the creation, he plants something inside of us so that he can work in us and through us. But after he plants something, just like he did with Joseph, Joseph wasn't ready to see the dream completed yet. He had to go through a preparation phase where his brother sold him out, where Potiphar's wife accused him, falsely accused him of of rape when she was the one going after him. And then he got forgotten in the jail by the the cupbearer. The guy that he predicted, like, your dream means that you're going to be come into power, or not into power, but be restored to your previous position. Joseph was like, hey, hey, remember me when you get into that position, and, and the cupbearer forgot about him. We've all been forgotten by people. But God used all of this as the preparation phase for Joseph to make Joseph ready for when God decided to move when God decided to move. So today we're going to be answering the question, when does God move? When does God move? And I I was inviting somebody to church this week and I was like, yeah, we're going to be talking about when God moves. And their eyes got real big, like in a real big question on their face, like what? Like, no, 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 not not, not like change address, like he needs a forwarding address, but when God moves in our life, when God moves in in our heart and God moves in in the world around us, when does God move? And the first thing that I want us all to know, and actually God wants us all to know, it's not when he should. We're going to be in Genesis 41, starting in verse 1. You can follow along on the YouVersion app or on the screen or in, you know, a Bible. Verse 1, two full years later. Genesis 41, 1. Two full years. Years later. This is two full years after the, 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 the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. For two full years, Joseph stayed in prison. 
I have to think that Joseph thought when he's told the cupbearer, hey, don't forget about me. He thought this was the time God was going to move. This was it. This was what he was waiting for. This was the time that, that, that God was going to move. So if you ask Joseph, when is God going to move? He's like, this is right now. I've just got to wait a few more days or a few more moments. And God's going to move right now. And so God did not move when he should, according to Joseph. I'm sure if I was Joseph, cupbearer would have been, would have been uh, uh, ushered out of the prison. I would have got my things ready. Now, it wouldn't have taken long. I, was in pri- I would have been in prison, right? But, but I would have been getting my things ready. And every five minutes, I'd hear those footsteps. And like, that's my footsteps. That's the footsteps getting me out of jail. Then the next day, it would be every 10 minutes. Next day, it would be every 15 minutes. You know, you know, you've had this moment when you're like, yes, this is it, this is it, this is it. Like when, 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 when I have the prospect of being able to referee a, a, a high-level game, I'm checking my email every five minutes. Now it's going to come, it's going to come, it's going to come. But then we lose, we lose hope, right? We lose, we lose the, the focus, the vision, and, and what's happening. It's not happening. And then weeks go by, and then months go by, and, and then a year goes by, and, and by the end, Joseph probably hardly even remembers that the cupbearer was even in jail. God doesn't move when he should. He doesn't move when he should. We've got to be prepared for that, because we think he should move, but he's not done with us yet. He's not done preparing us yet. So when does God move? Verse 2, or the last part of verse 1. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. And in his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come out of the river and begin grazing on the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin, you know, cows that look like me. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. You know, this is the dream that you wake up in cold sweats. You're like, ha, 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 ha. this is that dream to Pharaoh. I mean, uh, cows were gods. And like, they, 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 they plumped up their cows nice and good. And so to see these scrawny cows eat the big cows, this was, this was weird. This is out there. You're like, what's going on? So finally, Pharaoh fell asleep again, and he had another dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing in a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared. But these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. Like, these were so real. He was just like, oh, it's a dream. Like maybe you've had that dream where you woke it up and you're like, "Woo, this is a dream, you know? Like, like that dream in Walmart where you don't have your pants on or school or home, whatever. But anyway. <laughs> One day, or the dream that you're running and getting chased by somebody and you're just not going anywhere. Like, what's that all about? And you wake up in cold sweat. You're like, I don't want to go back to bed. Pharaoh said, this is the dream for, for Pharaoh. And he's like, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this means. And it was so real, so real. The next morning, and I'm just adding this, but I'm guessing this was early the next morning. I mean, when you have a freak out dream, right? You're like waking up your spouse, like, get this dream. You're like, it's dark outside. The, the next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. 
He didn't know what was going on. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told his dreams, not one of them could tell them what they meant. He got them up all early because he was Pharaoh. He got them all, and they're all rolling in and going, what's going on? He's like, guys, I've got these dreams I can't figure out. and I'm disturbed by them. They got me all nervous. And he tells them the dream. And the guys are just like, I wasn't dreaming. Can I go back to bed now? I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't know what's going on. Can I? Pharaoh, it's early. Finally, the chief's cupbearer spoke up. Now, it was early. It was before probably the sun rose. And so the cupbearer's in there serving everybody coffee, right? I mean, you know, the, the Secretary of Defense needed a, the Frappuccino, and Secretary of State, you know, he needed the double espresso because he can't see. The Pharaoh, he likes his stuff black, so he just had the black coffee, and the cupbearer's in there passing out all the coffee because everybody's still asleep, and, and he's in there, and he overhears this. He overhears this. And he goes, today I've reminded of my failure. For two years I forgot this guy. How did I forget this guy? He told Pharaoh, some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as a cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. The the, the, the cupbearer is like, Oh, yikes, I just remembered something. There's a guy in your prison that interpreted my dreams, and maybe, maybe he can help. When does God move? Exactly when he should. Now, wait, hold on. Wait a minute here. Not when he should, but when he should? Are you, what are you, not? What, what are you talking about? All right, we live our life in America by cliches, right? And one cliche that we have is it's not our timing, but God's timing. And we've probably all said that cliche at one point in time or another. We've probably all had that said to us. And usually, usually, usually when that's said to us, it doesn't really help. So we want to punch somebody because that's what cliches do. They don't really help because that doesn't get us through the next day. Or this time. And here's the deal. Is that God will move when he should. Not when he's good and ready, but when we're good and ready. In about a week and a half, some of you are going to go old school with your turkey. And you're going to pop it in the oven. You're not going to fry it up, which I recommend. You're not going to smoke it, which I recommend. Not old school smoking. Let's not go old school smoking. We're not rolling it up and smoking it. <laughs> the smoker smoking it, all right? Some of you are going to go old school with your turkey and put it in the oven. What are you going to do before you put the turkey in the oven? You're going to put the popper in its butt, and you're going to put it in the oven, and you're going to watch the popper, right? Which means you're going to watch a turkey's butt. But anyway, (laughs) you're going to watch the popper. And when is that popper going to pop? When the turkey is good and ready. Not when you're good and ready because you've starved yourself for three days waiting for that turkey. You're done good and ready. You could have ate the turkey before you put it in the oven. But what happens if you forget to watch the popper? You got turkey jerky out of the oven. And I wouldn't recommend that. 
You're going to cut that thing open and... Hey, I saw that Ruby Tuesdays is open today. You're going to take the turkey out when the turkey is good and ready. God views us as a turkey. He puts the popper in us, and he takes us out when we're good and ready. I don't know if he's put the popper in your butt, but whatever you, wherever you want to, anyway. You're right, Gideon? <laughs> All right. Is that how you guys do things at Wendy's? Just, anyway. We don't want to know. We don't want to know. <laughs> God keeps us in the time of preparation until he is ready for us to be done. He keeps us there until we're ready. And then we're going to see a line of ordinary circumstances lined up to work in extraordinary ways. Cupbearer forgetting about Joseph. It's ordinary, right? We've all been forgotten. Pharaoh having a dream. It's ordinary. The people around Pharaoh not being able to, to interpret the dream. It's ordinary. The cupbearer passing out coffee in the wee hours of the morning. It's ordinary. Cupbearer remembering in that time period that he forgot about Joseph. That's ordinary. But all of those lined up in the right exact moment when God had Joseph ready. And I'm not saying that Joseph never stood up, stayed awake at night wondering when. I'm sure he did. I'm not saying that Joseph didn't have a hard time waking up some mornings and going to work and we're not wondering what the purpose is. I'm sure Joseph had those days, like all of us have had those days. But I can be fairly certain because we have enough history on Joseph that he got up and he worked anyway. All waiting for the day for God to move because God had put something in his heart. So when... Do we know that we're ready? When or what is God going to work on in us to prepare us? Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. I've had a cough the past couple of days, so I'm trying to keep keep from coughing up a lung here in front of you. So... Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means, but I've heard that you, when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means to, 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 and what it means and set you at ease. See, many of us probably would have long given up on God because we felt like God had given up on us. But Joseph remained with God through this entire thing. And even there in front of Pharaoh, Joseph was like, no, 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 no. I can't interpret this dream, but God can. God will. 
I think Pharaoh was a little bit like, um, okay. Anyway, I had this dream. Or actually, I had these dreams. And, and Pharaoh told these dreams. He gave a little bit of, 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 of extra detail to the dreams and, and stuff. I'm going I'm to skip over those because of, of time. But he retold those dreams to, 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 to Joseph. And, and then Joseph responded in verse 25. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same exact thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that come up later and the seven thins of head of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have, as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Five years into this famine, you'll forget how good things were. You'll forget that we had good years. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So Joseph is kind of telling us a secret in this entire story. We see two dreams in Joseph's life, right? We see two dreams with the, with the, with the cupbearer and the baker. We see two dreams with, 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 with Pharaoh. And, and Joseph is saying, because we see two dreams, God is saying this is certain to happen. And so actually at this moment in time in the story, it kind of leaves us going, all right, so what about your two dreams, Joseph? We're not there yet, right? Therefore, Joseph keeps talking. Joseph keeps talking. Look, most of us grew up around church. We've been in church in a while or, 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 or whatnot, or maybe, maybe we haven't, but you know, we've seen the play technical to drink out. We're like, we know this story, right? We, we know what, what's going to happen. And we, we, we know it. We flannel boarded it and everything. But look, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Joseph, 15 minutes before this, he was a alleged rapist of somebody in Pharaoh's high court. And now he's standing in front of Pharaoh going, this is what your dream means. Therefore, and he keeps talking. He keeps talking. And think about this. Think about this. Potiphar could have been in the room. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's chief advisors as far as what goes on in the jails. He was the captain of the guard. Potiphar could have been in the room. The cupbearer was. He was hiding behind somebody. <laughs> like, I don't want him to see me. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Joseph doesn't stop for the interpretation. Joseph keeps going and tells Pharaoh, he starts advising Pharaoh. 15 minutes ago, he was an alleged rapist. And now he's advising Pharaoh. This is like, this is like tomorrow. President Obama is saying, I had these dreams. All of you can't answer it. But there's somebody in the jail and he happened to maybe have raped your wife. I'm going to bring him in here. The Secretary of Defense's wife. I want to bring him in here. The Secretary of Defense is going, uh, I don't know about that, pal. This is what we're talking about. Egypt was the world superpower at this time. This is what we're talking about. 
Like, I don't know that that would happen. Exactly. This is crazy. This is crazy. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth, 20% of the crops during these seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away, guard it there uh, so the food will be in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine came to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine would destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were all well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since he, God has revealed this meaning to you, uh, the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. You will be my advisor. You will be my prime minister. You will be my COO, my chief operating officer. And any decision you make, it'll be as if I made it. And the next paragraph explains that and talks about that. If any decision you make will be as if I made it. And, and, and you're going to be in charge of this project, Joseph. So he went from alleged rapist to second in command in the world superpower like that. Like that. Ordinary line of events. God worked in extraordinary ways. And Joseph was given a, 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 a wife that was the priest's daughter. And I think that had to do with the whole spirit of God and Pharaoh recognizing that. And, 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 and Pharaoh, it said that, that, that Joseph, when he left Pharaoh's court, he went out and traveled the land. I hope to get back to that in just a moment. But how was God going to prepare us? What, what, what is he going to prepare in us? What, what needs to be done in order for him to move? First of all, our skills. Our skills. Everywhere Joseph was, he was an administrator. He tried to administrate his brothers. That didn't work out too well, did it? Just like when my Elijah tries to administrate his brothers. It usually doesn't work out too well. Then in Potiphar's house, he ministered, he organized, he led. And then in the jail, he administered, he organized, he led. God prepared his skills wherever he was, but, but Joseph used his skills wherever he was. What skills has God put in you? What skills has God put in me? He's calling each and every one of us to use our skills and prepare our skills to be ready for the moment that God moves because when God moves, what is he going to use? The skills he's given us. What did he use inside of Joseph? The skills of administration and organization and leadership. The skills that he has birthed in you, he is preparing so that when he moves in us as a collective body, when he moves in you as an individual, he is going to use the skills he's pre prepared inside of you to do that. So we just simply work, prepare, sacrifice right now with our skills. But also but also passions. I would have to think, I would have to think that when Joseph got done with the interpretation, he got a smile on his face and a gleam on his eye and he's like, you know what you need to do, Pharaoh? I know what you need to do. He had a passion for administration. Some of you are like, ah, that's me. I mean, but, but, 
you have a passion for something. And God worked and prepared Joseph's passions in the time of preparation for that moment, for him to walk in and be ready for that moment. And he had a passion to do this and, 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 and said, hey, this is what you should do. He knew because he had this thing in his heart, this passion. What passion's inside of you? And probably, more than likely, the passion that's inside of you has to do with your deepest deepest hurts because that's what affects us the most passionately what else is he going to prepare temperament temperament Joseph needed a certain temperament when he went into Pharaoh he needed a, a humility and he needed a moxie he needed a humoxie or moxility or something like that in order to be in front of Pharaoh. He needed this humility that I don't think that he was assuming that he was going to be this guy. He was just, hey, look, this is what you need to do. I mean, there's just this, this frankness, this, 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 just, this is what you need to do. Just unassuming about him that this is it. It's just a humility that, that this is it. But there was a moxie there as well. He was an alleged rapist standing in front of Pharaoh giving Pharaoh advice. There's a little bit of moxie there. A little bit of gumption. A little bit of guts. But also, 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 not just then, but in order to collect all of these taxes. I mean, the Bible kind of glosses over this, but think about this. When, in order to collect all these taxes, what did he need? He needed a humility and a moxie. Suppose, 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 suppose. Tomorrow, a decree comes down. It said, in seven years, we're going to have a famine. It's going to be worse than anything we've ever known. We would love to be a part of the Great Depression in this famine. And in order to prepare... We're going to tax you 20% on everything. And I've set this foreigner over this project. What if that came down? Heard that on CNN. We would break Facebook and Twitter, right? <laughs> Let's not think that this was all just fun and games for Joseph. That it was just easy. The people are just like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's 20% of what I made, what I gleaned. He had to have a humility. He also had to have a moxie to be able to get this job done. And in our time of preparation here at Crosspoint, God is preparing a moxility in us, a humility that we know that it's God that's at work. See, if you put a microphone in front of Pharaoh, or, or Joseph's face and said, hey, 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 your work and preparation and sacrifice and, and all of that, hey, wait, was that why God worked? He said, no. No. Nothing I did ended up being how I got out of jail. But he said, I was ready for him to work, though. It made me be ready for him to work. See, we, we don't work and sacrifice and prepare in order to force God's hand, in order to tell God, hey, look how good I am, so now you owe me. 
but rather we work preparing a sacrifice so that we are ready when God decides to move. A seminary professor of mine said it this way, it's preparing our sails, it's setting our sails. The wind is going to move and it's going to be a short time period that it's going to move in order to get us out to sea. So what do we do? We get our sails up every day and be ready for God to move. It's setting our sails. We don't make the wind move, but we can have our sails up to be ready for when the wind moves. And it, it, it's no secret. We're in the preparation phase here. We, have we seen God move in instances? Absolutely. But have we seen God move in this context? No, we're still waiting for that. We're still waiting for that. We're still in the preparation phase. God's still working on our skills and, and I'm so excited because I've heard people wrestle with the skills and wrestle with what, what God has inside of them and the purpose and, and all that. And he's preparing our passions and he's preparing our temperament for when he wants to move in that instant. See, we have so many questions that still are unanswered. But there are some things that we do know as well to kind of see, where we kind of see some ordinary things all kind of starting to, to line up. <coughs> last week, last week, and somebody come up to me and say, hey, look, pick a day, and I'll match whatever gift comes in from Mission 2014. Pick a day. Up to $2,500. Pick a day. That's an answer, right? That's an ordinary decision. That's something that, that God is lining up, making us ready. What if we got two people to do that? What if we got three people to do that? What if we got four people to do that so that we had $10,000 worth, worth, worth of matching gifts ready? See, that's a question I don't have answered. But what if? What if? I know the day. December 15th. That's the day we're going to pull our Mission 2014 gifts. And we'll be matched if you give before that. But you can still give before that. But it won't be matched. It's, it's that day. You know what else I know? $20,000 could probably secure land. Secure land. Here in Republic. Prime real estate. The next wave of Republic. $20,000. You know what else I do know? $100,000 could break ground. $100,000. You know what I don't know? When that will happen? Tomorrow? $100,000 check. December 15th. A year from now. Two years from now. I don't know the answer to that question. I know, I know, I know. I'm the leader. I'm supposed to have answers to all the questions, right? I don't have the answers to those questions. But I know that 20000 can secure us land. 
I know that 100,000 could break ground. You know what I do know? We're limited here, where we are. I know that much. Limited seats, limited leadership capacity, limited in, in, in kids and in this environment that they need, limited in, 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 in cafe space in order, in order to do all the connection that, that, that we need. We're limited in high overhead. We're limited in all that. You know what else I do know? There's a spot over there that's open, but you know what? It would add to that overhead, not decrease. You know what I don't know? Completely how to solve those temporary questions. What if it takes two years to break ground? Being high in overhead and being limited here will work against us getting to move forward permanent space. So what if? What if we find temporary space in order to make a year from now or two years from now happen? Look, that's underneath what I don't know. That's underneath what I don't know. That's underneath what we don't know. That's underneath the questions that we have. I'm not saying anything like next week we're going to meet somewhere else. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these are questions that we're asking, that I'm asking, leadership's asking, some of you are asking. These are questions that we have. But I do know how God moves. A set of ordinary circumstances, a set of ordinary decisions, a set of ordinary things to move extraordinary way. God's put this culture, this American culture together in a certain way. He's formed our culture. No matter if you listen to other Christians or not, he has formed our culture. He's in control of everything. And our culture reacts certain ways that's unlike any other culture. Like I said last week, man, being in Africa and just meeting underneath a tree, awesome. That doesn't work here, does it? Does God move in buildings or because of buildings? No. We have a certain temperament, a certain culture here in America. We have an entertainment and critical mass culture in America. So we can either fight against it or we can tap into that to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Joseph tapped into the culture of Egypt. We tap into the culture of America. Do we want to see God move in our life? In the life of Crosspoint? We sing about God of the impossible. I think probably most of us sit here and go, $100,000? Impossible. But are we willing to settle for singing about the God of, impos- of the impossible? Or are we willing to see just how impossible God is?
It's what ends up happening. What ends up happening when God moves. That we get the chance to acknowledge him. Joseph showed up in front of Pharaoh and said, God can interpret these dreams. We see later, Joseph has two kids and he names each one of them according to what God has done in his life. And instead of giving up on God, Joseph continually acknowledges God and what he has done in Joseph's life. We get to acknowledge what God does. But also, also, we get to make God visible to what we would call non-fans. We saw this in Pharaoh's life. Pharaoh was like, yeah, yeah, God, okay, fine, whatever. My dreams are. And then once Joseph interprets it and gives, gives a solution, what does Pharaoh say? There's nobody that the Spirit of God is on more than you. Pharaoh wasn't a believer in God. Pharaoh thought he was a God. But he acknowledged the God that was in Joseph's and when God moves, it's not for our benefit. It is for the benefit of the lost world. It's benefit of those who are non-fans. So what do we do now? Work, sacrifice, prepare. Mission 2014 is a step in that. Work, sacrifice, prepare. Forget $20,000, guess what we can do? Go talk about some land and secure some land. But not only that, it's vital. When you, when you write down, put Mission 2014 because, because 10% of what comes in for Mission 2014, it will go also to missions because you know what? You know what? Another question I don't have answered yet is exactly where he's going to send us outside of Republic to in unreached people groups here in America and internationally. Mission 2014 is going to help prepare us to be able to go and do some, some uh, 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 vision trips in a couple of places, Vegas and Syracuse, where God might be leading us to unreached people groups here in America. You know what else we need to be doing? Worshiping and praying. It's acknowledging God through the preparation phase. Not only in our individual lives, but as a corporate body. And yeah, we, we do that here, but at the same time, this is designed also to let those who don't know, know who God is, make Him visible. Next Sunday night, November 24th, we're coming together for a special time of worship and prayer. I'm going to bring a, a guy in by the name of, of Sean Lee to, to lead us in that worship so that our band can be a part of seeking God together. We're going to bring in uh, uh, people to, to watch kids so that this can be as distraction-free as possible. And so us, we can come in here and worship and seek God for the answers and, and talk about and talk through and have questions about, about all these questions that we have about how God is yet to move. Next Sunday night at 6 p.m., please be here. It's not going to be high frills. It's going to be about getting on our face before God and asking Him to answer some questions. 
What are your skills? What's God doing inside of you? So that he can move in your life. Asking us to serve isn't about getting volunteer hours. It's about figuring out how God has put inside of you and what he's put inside of you and what he's doing inside of your life and my life so that you and I can have most the most impact for his kingdom as possible. From the youngest to the oldest. It's in here. We've seen glimpses of God move. We've seen glimpses of that. We've seen glimpses of that. But I think we all, if we're honest, that we haven't seen him move like this. How bad do we want to see him move like this? Does that force his hand? Absolutely not. But that does get us ready for him to move. So are we ready to work, prepare, sacrifice, to get the chance to look back at the history of Crosspoint and go, wow, yeah, sure, we did some stuff. But when God worked, so much more, so much more, so much more than what we did. Are we ready? Are you ready? Am I ready for God to move? Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Your spirit alone can work in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you will work in this time. Help us to see what it means that you are the God of the impossible before the impossible happens. Let's see what that means. Let's get it in our hearts. Write it into us so we can wake up every morning ready to prepare ourselves to see the God of the impossible work every day. Help you work tomorrow as we go to work as we go to school, as we go to our neighborhoods. Help us see that. And Lord, we know that you're not done with us yet. We know that you're lining things out. We know that you are moving us forward, but we don't know what it looks like. Help us walk the tension of preparation and faith. so that we take the next step, even before all the questions are answered. But give us the moxility to move forward. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We just ask you to move. Amen. Come and stand with us. Shelly and I are going to be in the back of the room if you need to pray with somebody, if you want to talk with somebody about you know, something that God's laid on your heart or gifts or passions or whatever. If you want to bounce something off of somebody, we'll be back there. But otherwise, are you ready for God to move? And let Him do that right here and right now through this time of worship.